Hello and welcome to the Hope Story Circle of the Peace Alliance and welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance, and I'm excited to have all of you here today. I'm joined to facilitate by Liz Gannon-Graydon, who is also on our board, and Yelena Popovich, who is our Teaching Peace in Schools lead. We're really excited to have our special guest today. Her name is Sandy Behrens, and we're really excited to have her. I'm excited, especially she is a colleague of mine at my workplace at Accenture, and I'm excited to have Sandy join us today. Sandy, you want to come off mute for a moment and say hello? Hello, everyone. So excited to have you here. You're you're in the East Coast of the United States. Is that right? That is correct. I'm calling from Philadelphia. Philadelphia. And is are you getting winter weather yet? Today it is about 68 degrees, but last week it was quite wintry. Ah, so it's it's doing the up and down thing. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're really delighted to have you here, and I know that your story is, is a really rich one. I'm looking forward to it. But first, we're going to hand off to Yelena, who's going to lead us in a short meditation to bring us all in. Yelena? Hello, everyone. Welcome. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whatever time is it for you. And I just invite you in this moment to find a way to... Get in touch with the earth, um, with your body, with this moment. And perhaps that is just noticing your feet, touching the ground. Perhaps it's the breath that is coming in and out of your body. Perhaps you're noticing the liveness of your heart. Pulse of life. Perhaps you are more attuned to the sounds that are around you. Whatever brings you to this moment, right here, right now, allow it. Allow to feel the aliveness. Of who you are in this moment. (laughs) 
I would love to read you some words by Sri Nasargata Maharaj. The seeker is he who is in search of himself. Give up all the questions except one. Am I? After all, the only fact you are sure of is that you are. The I am is certain that the I am this is not. Struggle to find out what you are in reality. To know who you are, you must first investigate and know who you are not. Discover all that you are not, body, feelings, thoughts, time, space, this or that, nothing concrete or abstract, which you can perceive can be you. The very act of perceiving shows that you are not what you perceive. The clearer understanding, the clearer you understand that on the level of mind, you can be described in negative terms only. The quicker will come to the end of your search and realize that you are the limitless being. Taking some breaths in, out. You are a limitless being. I am. Thank you all. Practice and welcome, Sandy. Whenever you are ready to start okay. your story. <laughs> so first of all, I'd like to thank everyone for, for um, taking the time out of the day to listen. And I'd like to thank uh, Terry for inviting me. So I am adopted and me being adopted is a big part of my identity. It's how I move about the world. When I was a child, I had figured out that I was adopted relatively young. I was about five or six, and I am in the backseat of my parents' 1972 uh, avocado green Buick Skylark and uh, coloring or whatever I was doing. And I had just decided to ask the question of, how come I don't look like anyone? And my father said that he 
almost drove the car off the road because he didn't think that was a conversation he would have had to have for the next at least five years. And he asked me to explain a little bit. And I had said, I don't, you look like grandma and grandpa and mommy looks like her mom and dad, but I don't look like either of you. And I don't look like anyone else in the family. And my father had explained to me that yes, I was adopted and that um, it didn't, that didn't mean anything that my parents loved me very, very much. And my grandparents and all my cousins loved me very, very much too. So as any five-year-old who has a very short attention span, once that explanation was given to me, I was on to more important things like dinosaurs. So fast forward, um, maybe 20 plus years or so, um, I am a married woman and I have a son and I'm trying to figure out if the next order of business is to unseal my adoption records. And I happen to be in Boston, Massachusetts, the place of my birth. And um, I needed to get a duplicate uh, birth certificate. And so I was on vacation and I happened to go to City Hall to do so. And I looked up on the wall and I see adoption records. So I said to my then husband, might as well. So we went upstairs and I filled out the paperwork and they said, give us a couple of months and um, we will have to go in front of the court to have your records unsealed, but you should hear. And, um, but before I went, he said, ah, we found them. And there was this yellowed envelope that came out from back of these, um, the stacks and they dropped it into this other big envelope to be carted off to the, uh, to the courts. So it was a very interesting thing to see your history kind of encapsulated in a, in a yellowing envelope. Maybe about two months later, the, my court records were unsealed. Um, I found out that my mother's name was Joan and my father's name was uh, George. Harrison, which um, had another set of questions to my mind, but no, it, it was not that George Harrison. Um, but we move forward. Uh, life gets busy and then it gets more complicated and the search gets put aside for a little while. It's, uh, but I never really forget about it because it's important to me. My now ex, who is also now deceased, has decided that he wanted to look too. And I had said, this is not the time or the place. We are in the middle of a divorce. <laughs> no. We fast forward a little, a little further. And there is a, um, Oprah is kicking off her network and a friend of a friend is looking for um, stories of adoptions. And I come to mind and I say, 
I have just started a new job. I am a consultant now. It's a lot. And I don't think I want to have my story splattered <laughs> for, for human consumption just yet. So she says, just think about it. We think that you and your story would be pretty interesting. And I, and I agree to think about it and I agree to stay in touch. So Oprah's, um, her channel kind of winds down the numbers of shows that she, that she actually offers. But this woman whose name is Pamela Slayton and I stay in touch and we remain friendly and more years pass by. It is now December 31st, 2015. And this is the year I turned 50. And I have decided that this is not um, another year that's gonna go by without me knowing who my birth mother is. So I have made the decision to, I've made the decision can everyone hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. I just saw the, <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't sure what quite happened. So I made the decision to search for her in earnest. So I call my friend Pamela and I say, let's do this. And it, again, it is December 31st, 2015. By January 6th, uh, 2016, um, so six days in, she calls me to tell me that she has found my birth mother, my two older siblings, um, my, my grandmother, I have aunts, I have uncles, I have cousins, I have this huge family awaiting me and they would like to see pictures and we exchange pictures and the phone calls come and we start arranging for meetings. And it is an incredibly surreal moment because I am looking at pictures and in these faces staring back at me, I see me. Um, all of these people have eyebrows. I do not, I must draw mine on um, that I was annoyed by. Um, but I digress. We, we meet, um, I meet my brother first, um, who I had found out had run me for priors. Uh, that was an interesting conversation. And we meet in White Plains, New York. And he and I look basically the same. Um, we have diminutive ears and we are about the same complexion, um, about the same build, all legs, tiny heads, interesting. Um, then a few weeks later, I meet my mother. My mother is a huge jazz head, such as myself, which was interesting. We had lunch. We, I took her to the knitting store, which I was told that I was not supposed to do. Oh, well. And then we went out for dinner as a big group um, with my nieces and my nephews and my grandnieces 
and I'm sorry, my grandnephews. And it was really, really interesting. Um, and it was also incredibly overwhelming. So much so that I actually excused myself about oh, 45 minutes, an hour early and went back to my hotel because I thought I was going to have some kind of a split. It was just a little too much. So a couple of weeks later, I met my grandmother who at the time I believe was 102. Um, she lived to the ripe old age of 106. Uh, she passed away this past September. So I met my grandmother and my other uncle. And um, that was uh, also a very, very interesting um, conversation because how many times do you meet someone who's was born in 1914 and who can tell you in detail about the 1920s and 30s and just the, the things that she had to say and what Philadelphia, where I live now, looked like back then and just amazing, amazing conversation. Plays, played the piano, still plays beautifully. Um, has brothers who was a musical prodigy, just amazing story. So, um, my mother and my grandmother decide that there needs to be have a conversation. So my mother goes up to Burlington, Vermont, um, where we didn't think there were a lot of black people, who knew? Um, and they decide to hang out for a week. And my uncle calls me to tell me that my, my mother had fallen in the shower and she had wrenched her knee, but they're gonna keep her overnight and uh, they will be picking her up and nothing to worry about. And I said, okay, that's great. So this is Thursday afternoon. The next day is March 11th, 2016, which happens to be my 50th birthday. So I'm not really good at planning and I didn't really plan anything. But I did decide that I was going to get a tattoo because that's what one does when one turns 50. So I went to get a tattoo and I am laying on the table and I am getting tattooed. And my phone rings and it's ringing and it's ringing and it's ringing. And I finally pick it up and it is my uncle who is calling me to tell me that my mother has passed away my biological mother. So this is some very interesting news to kind of process because I'm trying to figure out how to grieve for someone that I don't quite know. So I watch all the insanity that happens around funerals and, and people who are close to uh, you know, patriarchs or matriarchs and patriarchs passing. And I watch all of that, but I watch from the outside of a newly formed family and just bizarreness. So it is time to do the eulogy. Oh, let me back up. My biological family included me in all of the obituaries and, you know, she leaves behind two sons and a daughter, which they didn't have to do. And it was incredibly touching. 
So then my uncles and aunt come up to me and say, we would like you to do the eulogy. And I said, well, clearly you can find someone who knew her a wee bit better. I would think that would be your best going in position. And they said, no, we think you should do it. And I said, well, none of these people are, are really going to know me. Do you think this is the right time to be introducing me? And my uncle Ed said, well, no time like the presence. So I gave a eulogy of a woman that I hardly knew to a cathedral full of, of people and introduced myself as Joan's daughter, which was pretty much a shock to everybody, including the, um, the, uh, the priest. Uh, he looked a little confused too. Um, so we had repasts afterwards where people came up to talk to me and it was an amazing, amazing thing. So from that story, I bring a couple of, of lessons. Number one, um, forgiveness. Forgiveness is, um, is a long thread and it is a hell of a drug. It is the ability to say that you make the active choice to let something go because the purpose of hanging on to it no longer serves you. I thought that I had forgiven my mother a long time ago um, for giving me up, which I always thought was an act of love versus an act of selfishness. But I did realize that I was still having some resentment for her leaving me after um, meeting her so soon. How I was able to kind of change that in my head was that once she met me and she realized that I was okay and that I was going to be fine and that she was able to see that with her own two eyes, that her work here was done. She was just um, making sure that I was okay and then she could take her leave. Once I figured and felt that, I could, I could let go that last, I could forgive. The second thing is nature versus nurture. Like what does your family look like to you? And who are you in, in that Venn diagram of all of these people, right? Um, who are you? How do you, you know, what attributes do you take from your biological family? What attributes do you take from your adopted family? How do you center yourself when you look out upon the world? Um, there's, there's still times that I question that. I still kind of work through that. Um, I am more comfortable in my skin than I probably have ever been in the last couple of years. I know that I am quirky and awkward and I've been embracing that more so than ever. And I think that my, my adopted father said that it is my superpower and I need to embrace it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think that that as folks that we need to start thinking less about 
being finished and perfect and more about letting the raw bits of us kind of peek through. <coughs> Excuse me. And the third thing is about grief and how do we manage grief? And in the last five years, I've had a lot of hits and my biological mother being one of the bigger ones. And how do you process that? How do you process the love and the loss of someone you hardly know and how it shows up in, you know, in ways big and small, whether it's a song I knew she liked or whether it is um, if I look at myself and I can kind of catch a bit of her in, in a passing glance. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, and facing it, embracing it, and understand that it is, um, it's just the price of love. <coughs> Excuse me. That as we, as we move forward, that grief, it's going to ebb and flow. And there are going to be times it's going to feel more acute. And there are times that it's going to be softened and rounded, but it's always going to be there. And the reason why it's there is because it is kind of like a testament of what these people, um, what they meant to you in your life. And it is not something to kind of manage or press down. It is something to kind of embrace and, um, and kind of hold and cherish to me personally. So in closing, what I would say is that um, one of the things I had asked um, my uncles for was something very small that I could remember my mother by a pin or something like that. And what they had given me instead was these rings. So these, I don't know if you can see them because I have the background on, but these are my mother's engagement rings and wedding bands. And they had give them, gave them to me. And so um, I get to have a little bit of her everywhere I go. And the funny thing is, is that the only people who can wear these rings are her and I, because our hands are just that small. So, um, and it is just kind of a great reminder that I can look down and, and have her with me everywhere I go. So thank you this morning for the time and thank you for listening. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you for your story. Liz, would you like to frame an inquiry for the group? I would. That was so moving, Sandy, and I want to thank you for your story. And as we head into the uh, breakout rooms, I want to weave together a couple of things that Sandy said at the end. And the one is, although the specifics of our stories may be very different than the specifics of Sandy's, I think as we move through our life, at some point, we all start to ponder that question, who am I? You know, who am I? And, and what I love is when you talked about the grief, how do we grieve? Um, and you also said in the beginning, you know, when we had our planning call, that although there was sadness to your story, you hope people could find joy. 
So I want to take those three threads. And as we move into the breakout rooms, what we'd like you to consider to talk with one another, keeping in mind Sandy's story and using that as the basis for your conversation. If you'd like to think about the question, who am I? And in my discovery in my lifetime up to this, in that discovery process of discovering who I am, what, which of those discoveries maybe brought me, brought me great joy and which led me to grieve something that maybe I had to let go of? Does everyone, does, ever, does that feel like a complete question to everybody? I know Terry's gonna put it in the chat room, mm -hmm. right? As I think about who I am on this discovery of life, are there things I've discovered about myself that bring me great joy? And are there things maybe that I've had to let go of that maybe have caused me to have to grieve some? Wonderful. Thank you, Liz. So for those of us who have not been a part of a Hope Story Circle in the past, we're going to go into breakout rooms. My goal is to have the rooms just be three people um, and our agreements are to speak from your heart and to listen with your heart and to say just enough so that everyone has an opportunity to share. And if you don't feel inspired to share, then give the gift of listening. And we'll be in the breakout rooms for about 15 minutes and then we'll come back and people can just share what's alive for them at that time. So I'm going to put the recording on hold. Welcome back, everyone. It's good to see you all. So I hope that you had a nice time together and it was um, an interesting conversations. That's usually what happens. So who would like to share? You can unmute yourself and share if you'd like to. Anyone? Uh, yes, I've unmuted myself. Hi. Sure. Yes. Uh, is it okay if I talk? Please do. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, First thing, we had a conversation, a very interesting conversation between Sandy, Louis, and, and there was a fourth visitor and myself. We spoke about, like, I, I told them that I have lost my mother. I lost my mother to ovarian cancer in the year 2014. Mm. So I with that. I, and I also told Sandy that uh, I was much touched by this point and very, uh, very uh, very impressive uh, talk of hers, very poignant, very touching talk of hers. It almost moved me to get emotional. I'm an emotional person. We all have emotions in us. Mm. Um, then I told her a very important thing. Back home in India, we have children, young, we have children, young infants, were left by their mothers, sometimes in many cases, unread mothers. We mm. don't have mothers with whom they grow up with. They lack the uh, love and the affection. Unread mothers, these may be rape survivors, sexual assault survivors. Mm. But we didn't quite go into that, but a lot of children grow up in difficult environments. 
We also spoke about the generation gap we spoke about. I asked them whether it's true that in the West, after 18, children go off to schools, while in India, trends are changing, but I'm also adding that. But yes, uh, we say that there are more concepts of love and affection in India there, than there are in the West. I don't think so. I'm a free thinker, and I think there is love and joy and affection throughout the world. It's a very common emotion. Mm. To expect a human being not to give love and affection in any part of the world would be rather unworthy of a human of any human being. So I think for that, from that perspective, so I, I was telling Sandy and Louis from uh, an afford uh, guest whose name I do not know, uh, that uh, I thought it was unworthy that I brought these points up, but it's a safe space and with our brothers and sisters, we can share what, what we want to share, what we might like to share. And uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak. I should have stated this at the beginning, but I was... Well, thank you I, so I, I much. Still not, I still not recovered from my mother. And I, yes, in the end, I said that uh, I'm lonely because I've not got married. I'm a free thinker. I, don't quite believe in Indian tradition. I don't believe in traditions. We have a lot of, I don't believe in any tradition. I don't believe in church marriages. I don't believe in temple marriages. I don't believe in marriage. It's just a social sanction. Mm. Uh, so this, I'm digressing from the topic. But, yeah. uh, but uh, we just discuss, we did discuss all this. We did just talk about all this. Thank okay. you sisters and two brothers. <laughs> sisters and two brothers for giving me this opportunity to share my thoughts. Well, thank, thank you so me. much. Thank you. Would someone else like to share? In our group, it was very easy for the three of us to agree that we are all children of God. Mm. And uh, one of us has had that conviction from very early age. And mm. the other two of us have had lifelong struggles to come to that decision. Mm. So it's not the same for everybody. No. No, thank you. Thank you, David. I noticed that you and Sandy have the same background. Yes, I, I wanted to join with Sandy. <laughs> Solidarity. <laughs> Beautiful. Would someone else like to share? Hi, this is Annette. Hi, Annette. This is just a little silly thing, but when you just said, I noticed that you and Sandy have the same background, I thought it was an interesting choice of words, <laughs> considering <laughs> the topic. <laughs> that was oh, all. That's funny. It's true. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, in the beginning of my share in my group, I pointed out that uh, people like Khalil Gibran and others have said that we adopt our parents before we are born. Mm -hmm. Not everybody subscribes to that. but Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is a thought. 
I, I, you know, as a child, even in fifth grade, I thought I was an alien from another planet sent here to <laughs> observe these crazy human beings. You know. And part of you still believes that, I think. <laughs> I was going to say, that's my experience of you, David. <laughs> and I'm happy to be observed by you. <laughs> I think you figured out your path. Say again, Moni. I was in the group and we were talking about our path. I was just oh. saying, I think you figured out your path. Ah, you figured out your path. Good one. Would anyone else like to share? Uh, yeah, uh, can, I, can I say something? This of is, course, yeah. This is my first circle, and I'm so excited to be here, but I'm still not trying, trying to figure out and configure and everything what I'm supposed to say and what I'm supposed to hear. And I really don't know how to go about it, so please guide me. And uh, I'm so much, I'm a very peace-loving person, and I believe every nation in the world is peace-loving. Um, you're, you're doing everything exactly right. There's no, there aren't any really strict guidelines here. We just like to focus on the topic and to share thoughts around that topic. So, well, Sandy, do you have any closing thoughts before we start to wrap the call? Um, no, I mean, I think I, one of the things I think is that um, as I've gotten older, um, I've actually become more of myself. I think it's taken, um, it's funny, it's like taken 55 years to figure out um, who I am and, and, where, and where I belong. And I've also have decided that I don't want to be like everyone else. Um, <clears throat> when things start feeling like they're normal, I want to change. Mm -hmm. um, hence, I've started shaving the sides of my head higher and higher. <laughs> I will not have hair soon. Um, <laughs> but um, I think it's a wonderful time, even though there's pandemic and she is ratchet. I think it's a wonderful time to still be here. Um, Louis is 99 and he reminds me that, you know, <clears throat> it's every day is a great day. Mm. Um, and, you know, um, Nelson Mandela has said, I never lose. I either win or I learn. And I think if you take that, um, if you take that tact, when living a life that there's there's so much to find out there mm. thank you thanks for that and thanks for telling your story today thank you i'm going to put some links in the chat just about the peace alliance the peace alliance empowers civic action for a culture of peace and the website is peacealliance.org the Peace On podcasts can be found there. All these hope story circles are found there in our podcasts, along with our monthly calls and other things regarding the Department of Peace Building.
It's also a page about our Hope Story Circles if you'd like to share with friends and family. We also have a petition for a blueprint for peace. It's a major initiative that we've had going for some time and we just recently revised it. So sign the petition today to let your elected officials in the United States know that you want them to support the policy priorities involved in peace building and violence reduction. Also a link about the Department of Peacebuilding Legislation. It's HR 1111. It's our cornerstone piece of legislation that we support. Also a link to donate. We are a small nonprofit, appreciate donations of any size. We especially appreciate our monthly donors. We call them our peace partners that give us sustainable income. And the calendar of events, you can see what else is coming up and what other things you might wanna join. We typically have our Hope Story Circles on the second and fourth Saturdays of every month. We will not have another Hope Story Circle this month for the Christmas holiday we're taking off. So we'll see you back here in January, but not for the rest of this month. So we wish everyone very happy holidays and a happy new year. Liz, would you like to wrap us up here? Yeah, I would. Um... I'm so thankful for your story, Sandy. So thank you, thank you for your story. And I wanted to thank Terry because every week when Terry introduces um, this story circle, she says this uses the same language. Those of you who have been on here more than once hear her. But there was a part that struck me differently today. And it's when she's talking about um, that this circle, right? The Peace On uh, broadcasts we do are for creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding towards empathy, compassion, and connection. And it just struck me really particularly strongly uh, today. And it reminded me yesterday, just yesterday, I taught middle school for many years and a former student of mine texted me yesterday and she said, Mrs. Liz, she calls me Liz, because she's old enough that she can call me by my first name. Uh, but she said, what was that story you used to tell about knowing, what was the quote you used to use about knowing a person's story? So I texted it to her. And I used to say to my classes every year that my father taught me on purpose all the time, all it takes to turn someone you hate into someone you can love is their story. And I always held that so deeply. Um, and when I look about that idea of creating peace, uh, that idea of understanding with empathy, compassion and connection. And I think of how important it is to think and hear and take in another person's story. And, and each week we're so moved. And Sandy, how, how moving your story was. And we create this space where we definitely move forward in empathy. We definitely increase our level of compassion. We definitely increase our connection. And so what I invite us all to do until we meet again um, is to really think if there's someone that you're feeling difficult feelings towards. Can you imagine a story, right? Maybe you could research their story. Maybe you could find out something about them that would help awaken a compassion that could move you more towards peace. But if you can't, what if you could invent a story? You know, someone, I also read a quote, I forget who said it, that said, if we thought of our 
of the people around us. As our characters from our favorite novel, we'd have much more empathy for them. And I love that, right? We read this beautiful novel and we have empathy for all kinds of people. So I'd love us to really um, take that beautiful story. Who am I? This is my story. This is what I've come down to. But also maybe look at one another around us and think, who are they? And how has their story brought them to where they are? So I really, you know, we're going to be celebrating the holiday, you know, the Christmas holidays, many of us. And so I invite you in the time between now and when we see each other to think about stories and how we can both tell and hear one another's stories in a way that invites us to open up more into compassion. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Liz. And thank you, Sandy. Feel free to come off mute and say goodbye, everyone. Happy holidays. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.